0: Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, where we hear the stories of information security professionals. This podcast explores different angles, out-of-the-box ideas, and the human element of cybersecurity. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP so we can continue to bring on amazing guests. You can watch videos of the interviews at www.CyberCloudPodcast.com.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. Today, we have the absolute honor to have one of the reasons why (laughs) this podcast was uh, the Mentoring Monday podcast that, in the previous season, was born. <laughs> the person that one of the person that I admire the most in this world and inside the world. Uh, this is your host, Francesco. But I have no word to introduce Tanya. So, Tanya, tell us everything about yourself. I <laughs> oh. was a like, emotional.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, you are so kind. Tanya Janka
1: on the stage.
2: Thank you. you are so, so kind. Thank you. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Tanya Janka. Thank you for letting me be on your podcast again. Um, so, I am a giant. Uh, application security enthusiast, and uh, I am the founder of WeHack Purple, a security training company, and I'm part of OWASP. I have a chapter and a project, and I'm part of WoSec, and I just do a lot of things in the InfoSec community. I am such a huge fan of helping others and securing all the things. (laughs) <laughs> exactly and you
1: have a uh, you have uh, a youtube channel right I've, I've seen a lot of new stuff coming up from there
2: yes yes so now i have she hacks purple as a youtube channel because that is me that's my nickname and then we hack purple have our own channel now and we have it's a lot more professional than my channel <laughs> so my channel is just like anything i've ever done but we hack purple as like Education, education, education. Um, but but this is like a great place to put my silly stuff, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And and it's you. It's it's your brand. It's your face. And there mm-hmm. is nothing wrong about silly stuff. Actually, life is short, so <laughs> it's better if we enjoy it. But I totally agree. Before we kick off, we have a tradition of of uh, at the beginning to give a good, well, a perspective on on the industry regardless of, uh, well, we we can talk about AppSec because we are all all about AppSec. And at the end of the talk, um, I'm going to, at the end of the podcast, I'm going to ask you to give a positive message about us, the cybersecurity industry, whatever, as long as it's positive. So first of all, your view about the industry, where we are, what's broken, what's not broken.
2: So I would say that, Part of our industry is going really well. Like we are doing such a good job at handling spam now. Like we basically got it. It used to be a disaster, right? We're we're doing so much better at like email filtering, web filtering, like enterprise level security. We're doing really well at that. We're doing really well at, at network security compared to how we used to. Like we're doing so much better. Like we make fun of people's small mistakes, but except for when it comes to newer technologies, we're actually doing a really good job. The the two things that we're really not doing a great job at, one is securing our software. We're still having a lot of problems with that. And the other one is like educating the average person. We are expecting them. So like when you drive a car, you do not need to know how to change an engine. You You don't need to know Well, all the little parts are under your hood. Like, I drive a car. I can. It works. And it works, right? And I know I'm supposed to take it in X number of times per year. I like fill my washer fluids, and I'm like, I'm awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. And that's all I need to know. But then the computers and phones were expecting the average user. Like, my grandma's just like, what is this crap? Can you make it do the things? Yes, grams, right? But like, not everyone has their own Tanya Jenka as a granddaughter or daughter to like do the things for them. And so like, it's. I think that the amount of security that we are expecting the average user to know is just absolutely unacceptable. And like we as an industry need to change that. So the average user, it's like a car. Mm-hmm. So you do have to learn how to like not hit things with your car. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we follow the speed limit and things like that, but you shouldn't have to understand like, Oh, I just have to like switch it this carburetor. And I just have to add a few new parts. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. It's not, well, it's not, it's, it's not reasonable expectation. And, you know, the whole industry is like, well, they should know this and blah, blah, blah. And like, we have companies like- Users are,
1: they, are silly. <laughs> yes. As, 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 the, as the most security person would say, it's always the user's fault or the human that,
2: it, Exactly. And I, I don't believe it's the user's fault. And and we also, I guess like a third thing is privacy. Um, we're So I know that that's slightly outside. I consider security and privacy sort of hand-holding. Like they're very close, closely related. And I feel like- we are doing an awful job of ensuring the average citizen or, or person's security, or sorry, privacy on the internet. I feel mm-hmm. like, for instance, like very, very, very large companies like Facebook, for instance. So I'm not a Facebook user, but I used to be. And I remember they would, they would change the settings. And I'd go in and be like, wait, I don't understand. <laughs> How did you, you, you change that? Or you receive an email and it's, you know, like seven pages... pages from- yeah, exactly. And it's written in language where it's difficult for the average person to understand. So there are some companies that have been doing a really cool job of that stuff. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of someone EFS. that did. Oh, yeah. Well, the Electronic Frontier Foundation are an organization meant to protect our privacy. So, yes, they kick all the butt in regards to that. They and are they awesome protect, sauce.
1: And they protect all law researchers. So,
2: amazing yeah, they do work. They do amazing work. But what I mean is like uh, a company sending a privacy statement or mm. an update statement and they have a too long didn't read at the beginning. And I've seen a few of them do this where they're like, let us explain it to you like you're a person or something. And then they actually explain it. <laughs> like, Let's that put it, is- it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So w- whenever I see that, I've been sharing it and then like congratulating the company on be- like treating us like humans. But
1: this, that and- can also be... Uh- Defined because they can say well we we circuit we show you this stuff but in the end you fundamentally sign the whole contract so they can hide stuff in the fine print so i think from i agree with you i absolutely agree with you from a legal perspective uh we have it's so complex that is a job in itself that's why we have lawyers and we don't do the job ourselves so i've I've been trying to do the lawyer in some of the contract review and i've given up very very quickly (laughs) Because you end up you end up arguing about terms and stuff that you don't know. It's it's not our job. But if I have challenged and I've studied some level of law because of well, the past role where I was, I can imagine an average user, nobody will ever read the term and condition. And the term and condition is effectively, yes, I agree on this stuff and it's a contract fundamentally. And I don't know yeah. why nobody has taken on the role of, we need to dumb down this contract and say all five statements. And GDPR has done an amazing work in at least making certain things specific where you have to sign specifically. It's not like blanket statement of whatever you, it is in this contract you sign. Whatever you agree on, you will agree. The cookie yeah. stuff and the other stuff, it's a good step towards, but it's almost making certain things unusable where people just say, yeah, click it, accept
2: yeah, I feel GDPR was a huge positive step, and I, so I live in Canada, but it still positively affects me. Mm. Does that make sense? Because companies have to obey GDPR, and I'm like, ha ha, yes, i have gained those <laughs> benefits.
1: And yeah, US, U.S. is the worst, but California, for example, has started taking the step with the California Privacy Law on the back of GDPR. Yeah. It's not as strong but at least it's it's, it's showing the world the direction. What I have concern is where you you have these cross-border things where again GDPR has taken a very strong stance saying, regardless of where you are, this is the rule you apply as long as you have a EU citizen in, regardless of where you are. Others have taken a more flexible approach, but that's a good part of, if you want being European, I guess yeah yeah we yeah. see with, with uk going out of europe how it's going to change we we yeah. kind of we kind of ratified with uh, the with the legislation law uh, i think last year so it's it's written in law uh, we have accepted the with gdpr so even if uk exit or actually has exited uh, the eu this gdpr still applies
2: yeah I think that it's going to be interesting to watch the change of uh, Britain leaving or the U k leaving. yeah, they started
1: they started saying they started uh, campaigning for the New Zealand uh, commercial agreement right now, and it was an absolute joke so expect expect uh, I don't want to get all political, but expect a Canadian version of that to trade again. And with all yeah. the prime minister flagging, you know, we're gonna export this stuff to the to Canada. So expect jokes. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's it's gonna be like a lot of work. A lot yeah. of work. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> politics aside, back on UpSec. Um why actually you mentioned a good part. Network security, we're getting better at it. And my impression is because we've been doing it for so long, UpSec is so new. Yes, I agree with
2: you 100%. Also, I think part of it we, why we're better at network security than we are at application security is because if you buy um, so if, how do I explain? So for instance like operating systems are a perfect copy. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you're running the same operating system that I'm running, we both have the same patches and the right. same like service packs or whatever you want to call it. If we have a perfect copy. And so it would be able to, like a scanner could tell, oh, like Tanya has this bad configuration, but Francisco has a really good one. So, it, and then it will say, oh, Tanya, you know, you need to fix this. Be more like Frank. <laughs> and so then I, I update it. I, I, I love the fact that I became <laughs> uh, all of a sudden the, the, the picture of
1: a good operating system.
2: <laughs> I, I love a, it. I love it. So networks are more standardized, but when you when you are creating custom software, by definition it is custom and mm-hmm. it is a unique snowflake. And so each part of it is completely different. And, and what that means is, is that, so even like, so let's say that you're going to write an application um, that does automatic threat modeling, mm-hmm. and I'm going to write an application that, that does automated threat modeling. It's going to be completely different. Absolutely. You might choose a different language. You might choose a different framework. You might decide to use, you know, these different third-party components. And oh, I've decided to integrate with this other app and this content management system, and it's going to be so completely different. There's no scan you could run. But we have yeah,
1: we have an agreement on. Uh, all stop ten has been around for so long now that. Everybody critics it, even, even the creator critics the top 10 because they became almost the platform of standards. But what I like is, and we were actually joking today that we're getting gold because we like compliance, we like policy. <laughs> 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 we with, with the creator of top 10. And uh, but I think there is there is an important inconsistency that we we became so good at operating system because at least we agree that you know, we have three versions of operating system that we look at, and we have a stable version that we look at, and we became more consistent. So we might not have the same innovation or the same speed of innovation, but at least we can say, this is our baseline. Then on top of that, we can, we can implement, you know, whatever number of application you want, and we can assess them one by one. But at least we have a layer that we can all agree on. I have never seen that in UpSec. We don't have any consistency.
2: I know, I know. Well,
1: actually no, it's a lie. I start seeing some decent movement with secure by default framework. So very antiquated framework, very antiquated Java uh, libraries, Java framework in uh, insecure by default, uh, uh, PHP, uh, Java, all this stuff that is very, very old, never had security baked in. But for example, if you look at React, if you look at more modern framework, and you know better than I than I do about frameworks uh, because you've been doing tons of videos <laughs> <laughs> and tons of stuff on how to secure these things. We're getting better at at, at least removing a certain categories of problems and, and certain inherent problem, what do you think?
2: Oh yeah, when, so uh, a vulnerability called press site request forgery or CSERF we affectionately call it. Um, oh, it used friend. to be yeah, it used to be it used to be everywhere. And then they they actually changed the modern programming frameworks. Like .NET just passes a token for you when Mm -hmm. you are going to submit pages. And there's all these different frameworks where they're like, don't worry, we've got this now. I love that idea of developers not needing to learn a zillion complex things. They already have all these other things they need to learn. Like every single secure default that we can provide for them is a huge win. Totally agree.
1: Hey, Francesco here. A very quick message from our sponsor, and then we return back.
0: This podcast is brought to you by the generosity of NSC42 Limited, your cybersecurity partner. Cybersecurity is complex and different for every organization, and you need the best tailored service to make sure your customer's data is safe and sound so you can focus on what's important, focusing on your clients and bringing the best and safest experience. NSC42 Limited can help you during your cloud transformation, cybersecurity assessment for your compliance checklist on premise and on the cloud. Want to know more? Visit www.nsc42.co.uk to get your free quote. And
1: that brings me on another very good, positive uh, feedback that i received received. When- the more we do application security programs, the more we learn that we are in the minority on, on the program. And if I've been running, you've been running application security, you've been a massive advocate for application security, and you have your own framework for application and how to run application, <laughs> application security program. And you are advising on this stuff. So talk us yeah. about, for example, developing secure code that you can serve everybody or, or your... Your takes on your your key things for an application security program, and what you advise other people.
2: Okay, so I have like a multi-day course where I explain <laughs> this, so I'm gonna try to explain <laughs> it in just a few no, minutes. No, just, just just
1: you know the the top three important things that you will suggest. Uh, I'm not asking you to distill the training.
2: <laughs> no, but, no, no, no. I just mean it's so much information to try to like I totally I share all the time. I just mean I'm just like, do you have like a few days? Because we'll get right on it.
1: I do, but maybe who is listening will, will die of upset
2: I can't <laughs> this the <laughs> Seriously. And there's a
1: vulnerability uh, of, of no listening <laughs> to enough upset.
2: <laughs> so, so, so a thing that I like to start with is, so most places don't have any sort of policy guidelines or standards, and so the developers have no idea what the security team wants from them, and they're trying to do it themselves, and they have like no guidance. So the first thing I try to do is give them guidance of what I want. Mm-hmm. So that could be a policy saying, like, I call it the application security policy, um, where it's, you know, during requirements, I expect these specific security requirements to be during, like in every new web app project. And then during design, I expect either a threat model or a design review, whatever whatever the, the activity is that you feel that you have enough cycles to complete. Um, and then I always release a secure coding guideline, even if it's super basic. Mm-hmm. And then you can add more and more and more as time goes on. So release one that is fairly lenient, like just the really important stuff that you absolutely require, and then talk to everyone. Do you think you can meet this? How long do you think you need to meet this? Can we work together to get you to meet this? And then educate everyone on it and and share it with them. And then next year, add another thing, another thing. So for instance, like all new projects need to follow the secure coding guidelines. All legacy projects must be compliant within you know 12 months, let's say. And then create a plan with those teams to make sure they can make it because a lot of them feel really overwhelmed already. So giving them clear guidance of what you want, mm-hmm. I would say it would be one of the first things. Another thing is automate every single thing you can because doing manual work sucks and you don't have time. So if you have some teams using pipelines, awesome. I'm going to put like my favorite tests in your pipelines and if they'll let me i'm going to make a second pipeline that does not quite a release um i call it the asynchronous pipeline mm-hmm. and just have that kick off once a week and it's like i'm just going to run my big long test and i come in you know on monday or, or whenever and just check out those big huge slow results that are happening Automatically, but without interrupting the build, without breaking anything, and then just go look at the results and be like, "Oh, okay, so it looks like That's we've cool. got some of this, we've got some of that." So automate like any anything you can. Like for instance, like scan your repos for software composition analysis or SCA. Like scan to make sure your third-party components aren't a disaster, right? And then just the repos are just sitting there. You're not getting in anyone's way right? You just need to get read access, which can be a challenge, but automate all those things. I would say automate all the things you can. And then the third one, if you have a full-time AppSec person, I would say is to try to develop develop good relations with the developers and slowly try to establish security champion program. Because usually it's just I am the whole AppSec team. I'm usually the whole (laughs) team. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what's more awesome is when you have like 12 developers and you like have like a a huddle and you all discuss and you show them cool new stuff and then they go and proliferate your wonderful message of secure software to their teams. You have a mask
1: with your face as well.
2: (laughs) Can you imagine? They're like, Tonic got a lot of tolerance. It's a lot like a dude. Um, But You know what I mean? So if there's like a thing I really, really want, then I tell all my champions, but it's a thing. You, first, you have to develop trust. First, you have to develop a relationship. And then you can say, you know, so who wants to learn how to use OWASP SAP, let's say, mm-hmm. as an example, right? And like, give them a safe place to do it and like encourage and work with those people. And if you can, let them know the door is open. Do you know what I mean? I, like, I, that is a hard one because you have so limited time when you yeah. are one person trying to serve a giant team. But if you are there, if they know that they can come to you...
1: They feel more relaxed.
2: They'll feel more relaxed and also hopefully they'll come to you. With because, Yeah, exactly. And then you can help them instead of them on their own trying to solve the problem. And that's when you have situations where it's like, oh, you rolled your own cryptography. Yeah. You decided to base 64 encode something twice and you don't understand the difference. So you're not an idiot. You were trying to solve the problem because I wasn't available for you,
1: right? And, and that like that's, that's important of developer program because it, uh, from Advocate, it becomes an extension of mini Tanya with your face, hopefully. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they drop the face and they become another version of you and they do their own research and they do their own tests. And that's how we extend.
2: And even if the security champion, if they go to the security champion and that person's like, oh, wow, I know that she said not to do that, but I don't know what we're supposed to do. Let's go get her. Yeah. Right. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for triaging this problem. Right. For well, you. Yeah, thank, and it's, thank yeah. you so, yeah. And thank you for finding this problem because I would hate to find that problem myself when I'm responding to an incident. Yeah. I want to find it <laughs> way before and I want to help you way before when you actually need it. Um, so I would start with those three things. And that, a trick that I do when I do consulting, which offers really big value right away, is it's like, I really like data. I had this job for a while where I would just take giant amounts of data and massage it and then analyze mm-hmm. it and then produce evidence for legal cases. But anyway, um, I like data. And so I will get all of the scan results, all the test results, and like crunch it all together and then say... Here are your top three vulnerabilities. Let's knock them out.
1: Yeah, and and do one application uh, a program of like we're gonna just learn about buffer overflow or cross site scripting or yeah. the most common thing ever uh, input validation. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then and then you show this huge value right away as a consultant because you've basically you like, knocked off. The, yeah, you brought the danger level way down really quickly. Yeah, and it's and, like okay. And, and then, so let's figure out how we can make sure these don't happen again, yeah.
1: right? Like- at scale, at scale, uh, it's been an extreme challenge. Uh, or At least I found it an extreme challenge when you try to get all the data, or even if you have a scanner. So a lot of the team don't have scanner themselves. So dependency check from us does a great job to actually at least one attempt to find vulnerability in uh, the libraries. But from a static code analysis, we don't have anything open source or even remotely close to what the commercial tool do. So if you have a commercial tool, great, because you can find the language that you're developing, the common thematics, and you can get that data. That is what we're doing with Phoenix, aggregating the data from all the scanners and showing exactly that to say, yeah, okay, this team, this, this month we do a team on this, and I show you that we've reduced the number of vulnerabilities by this amount because I have data and data driven risk based decision. And that's amazing, mm-hmm. but you need yes. to have the tool integrated everywhere to do that. And w- what's your take, for example, on the on maturity matrix? Uh, which maturity? Uh, any, any, any kind of maturity model or maturity matrix or any kind of. You know evolution do you do a, a step-to-step approach saying we're here we need to get there and these are the steps to do it or you rather do an incremental approach uh yourself what's your take on that
2: uh so so sorry to talk about my business but <laughs>
1: <That's stupid. laughs> So the first,
2: the first course i created uh, so like part of when you start your own business and you do a startup is you get to do the thing you love the most it's like the most important to you. And so the first course like it's like teaching you about appsec but the whole way through we're setting goals and then like reevaluating the goal and then resetting a the goal and then reevaluating getting more information reevaluating so at the end like at the beginning you're like yeah I want to do sast in every pipeline but by the end you're like Oh, actually, I want to have IAST in all my apps, and then I want to have th- these types of unit tests, and I want to run them against the IAST, and then I'm going to take that data, put it in a vulnerability management software, and like automate that going into it during unit tests, and then I'm also going to have this this other thing when it goes through the third step of the, and, and like you have like all of this. A huge wild plan instead, where you're getting and and it's like and also it costs the same amount. That's what yeah. I was going to get, right? Like, you're just like, oh, and I can automate this, and I can write that, and I can click this into here, and and then and then we're going to do like you know we want to do a threat model on every app, but we realize we only have one security appsec person, and so what we're going to do is we're going to do like a risk based this, and then we're going to do you know, security champion training on that. And then we're going to combine it. And it's not as good as if we had our one asset person meet with all Mm -hmm. 87 teams, but there's no way that they could ever meet with all 87 teams. Even if, even if they met with two a day, they wouldn't be able to do one per month. Like they wouldn't be able to do them all each month. And so, you know what I mean? Like compromising to get the thing that, because quite often I find that, so when I look at a maturity matrix model, they're like, and every app shall be threat modeled and every app shall be this and every. And I was like, wow, do you have an appsec team with 25 people? Because can I come work there?
1: Yes. <laughs> like,
2: Actually, right? it would be so boring. It would be so
1: boring. It will so boring. We'll never work there because it will be so bloody boring. I, like I do <laughs> I, don't know, I think
2: it, it would be exciting to get to work with so many AppSec people because quite often it's just like, it's just me or me and one other person and we're like yes. putting our two brains together, right? But it's like, I, I couldn't imagine having like 24 other resources to like bounce all my ideas off of, although <laughs> maybe, maybe you're right.
1: It will be wild, but it will be boring. Huh? <laughs> we will end up fighting all the time, <laughs> which is the vulnerability that we need to fix most. <laughs>
2: But I feel discussion. like a lot of the maturity models, like it's like, that sounds amazing. No we could ever do that. Like we can't afford to do that. And so I I try to like figure out like what are our end goals? So, I mean, we want to be able to find and fix vulnerabilities in written mm-hmm. and running code. That's what we want, right? So what is the best way for us to, you know, find them in written? So that'd be SaaS then SCA or IAS or code review. And then running codes so like DAST, IAST, penetration testing, like manual testing, web proxy, unit test. You know what I mean? And like yeah, so we actions,
1: go but driven by goals.
2: Yeah. And then choosing, okay, so we actually have the capacity to do this one. So maybe you have a giant QA team mm-hmm. and they're really savvy. Work. Become besties <laughs> with that QA team. vote <laughs> oh, right? them. Give them a security <laughs> hat. Yeah, exactly. Like, like adopt them, become their new best friend, like whatever it takes. Like, so each org I feel is different. And so maturity models that that I've looked at, like, it's like, that's amazing. I wish so much that was, that is possible. Mm -hmm. So I find like I'm adopting parts of them and then adjusting them for like, what is realistic at the place. Yeah, no, I,
1: I agree. I've seen them. I've seen them, and I've created uh, some of them because to make them usable. But what I found good about the maturity models was that you can start having agreement with development team. So this team that just started on AppSec, I'm not going to tell them, okay, just go and do whatever you want, choose whatever library you want, because they trust that you at is going to do a dependency check or static code analysis at each release. But teams that are more mature, that has that trust element, I know that they're not going to pu- pu- push in production stuff that is inherently vulnerable. So start doing, adapting uh, a maturity model for trust with the trust level.
2: Yeah, I, I also think maturity models are really good because then you can know what to strive for. Yes. Because uh, basically, a lot of companies that I go to talk to, They've only ever heard of SaaS and DAST, and they haven't heard of threat modeling. They ha- they haven't heard of. How do they basic- fit in
1: the whole pictures? Like they, 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 yeah. they hear the marketing speech go oh, yeah. this bed, uh, fix with this, go oh, this bed, fix with
2: Yeah, like they're like, we need to buy this product and we need you to put it in. And I'm like, For sure, that is a thing that we could do, but what do you what what is the end goal of the thing that you want? Let's talk about that and then let me give you a bunch of plans to get there and then let's see which one will be more effective. Yeah, most effective for you. So sometimes like it does mean like maybe they have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of developers that are already creating tons and tons of unit tests. It's like maybe you know, we can do security tests. Yeah, exactly. Or you know, maybe they have like an amazing. So, just I was talking with someone yesterday, and they have this amazing QA team. And the QA team is like all about like excited and interested. Like basically, they're the security champions. They're like security is so cool. Teach us the things, right? And great <laughs> so stuff. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, and their and their team is like super tech savvy too. So, like some QA teams are very manual, um, and then some are like very very advanced. And this is a super advanced one where they have like Selenium, they have resilient things, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, if we run like your IaaS tool while you're doing all these Selenium tests, like that could be really cool, like getting all that feedback.
1: So unit testing together with security (laughs) testing in one go. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's just it's um, it's exciting, and if you don't know all the options that are available, if you're just like we were told by our SaaS company that we can put it in the pipeline, it runs 35 minutes. The developers are upset. We don't understand what their problem is, and it's like okay, so I understand what their problem is, and so let's talk about like what you actually want to get done. Yeah, and then and then let's look at it and and go from there. And I I
1: totally agree with you and you brought up a point that is an industry driven by fear factor rather than uh, outcome based. And I found, uh, we found that we go to client and 90% of the job that we do is, okay, let's demystify all this stuff and let's find out what you want to achieve. And then we guide yeah. you to what you want to achieve but it's 90 percent of the mystifying what the market has pushed in terms of product and product yeah. is not bad by default
0: oh yeah
2: yeah and i don't mean to hate on SaaS at all i don't actually okay, i love if SaaS. Yeah. SaaS, SaaS,
1: SaaS and all the other tools they are great because they they enable us to scale done it in the proper way otherwise you make an enemy out of the developer because if you draw Two thousand vulnerability reports were developer, the first thing that you're gonna hear him screaming out of the door and running away because he has probably two hundred two stories and you make his life double miserable. And that's not yes. our job.
2: Yes. And and when you use the tools improperly, you don't get the results you want. And then you think those tools suck when really it's like, well, you've been using a screwdriver to try to hammer a nail. Oh God, I love that. That's my, my, my key thing. Use
1: a tool as a tool. Don't be used by the tool. And I use the screwdriver thing. <laughs> that's my, that's where you store it. <laughs> you store it. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And and so then they're like, oh, this tool sucks. And I'm like, well, actually.
1: You've been <laughs> using tool. it as a hammer. <laughs> well, a what, screwdriver. what you're doing
2: with it sucks, yes. But what if, right? And, and so, you know, if you're coming in as a consultant, like a third party, you're trying to like...
1: Be positive.
2: Yeah. And also, I mean, like, respectful. Like, whoever made that decision, you don't want them to feel, like, insulted. It's just mm-hmm. like... Okay, so this is one approach like let's let's review like a whole bunch of possible approaches and see which one we think might work better. Maybe do a proof of concept of that one with one team if they like it, we'll continue et cetera
1: and you brought you brought I can't agree more with you. You need to be treading on um, dangerous water, especially running a, a coming in as a consultant because you don't have the context. You need to grab it and grasp it very, very quickly. And you need to be absolutely human, but also respectful of the previous decision.
2: Yes. yes and I think that's,
1: that's the essence of AppSec because it's a lot of people and a lot of interaction yes. with developers. What do you think?
2: Oh yeah, I um, I tell people all the time that if you don't have empathy and by that I mean the ability to see both sides of the equation and be able to you know adjust your decisions based on what the developers and the security team needs and wants you're going to suck at AppSec. <laughs> like you really you really if you can't do that then you should go off and do like bug hunting or something instead which still is like a highly skilled job but you don't need to interact with like 25 humans per day mm-hmm. and then take all of their differing backgrounds and experiences of and and needs right because the developers need to release on whatever day that feature and yeah. the security team needs you know etc etc right and um yeah appsec is definitely very human centric and a lot of times people are like, you know, how many different programming languages do I need to learn so I can be awesome at AppSec? And like, do you know how to listen really well? Yeah,
1: and talk <laughs> so to product manager and prioritize. And I think that's, that's the key thing. AppSec and vulnerability management need to almost be separated. Vulnerability management for me is all about prioritizing stuff and deciding okay. how many things you build and how many things you fix. And AppSec is all about, you know, uh, you know, creating a program, integrating, creating the AppSec teams, uh, integrating the tools, getting really enable really good data to the vulnerability management team. So I almost uh, see them as dichotomy and and as two separate areas and they tend to be all in one uh, AppSec problem.
2: Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, you you will have pen testers where they do all the... they Or you'll have an AppSec person where they do all the pen tests, they do all the threat models, they write all the policies, they do all the vulnerability management. They the prioritize. Yeah, they assess every single new check for security. They And basically, their inbox looks like a little tiny cup of water that someone aimed a fire hose at and then left on for like 10 years. Yes. And they're just like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've been through that,
1: and, and I have been to breakdown uh, in in few organizations because you become like this, as you say, this funnel of a lot of stuff coming towards you, and you break people. You, you yeah. break people, and we upset program are extremely rare beasts.
2: Yes, burnout is a thing that you and I have discussed before. <laughs> yes,
1: and we have experience in different ways, shape, or form. I think, and mm-hmm. but I think it's it's. It's almost a counseling. It becomes uh, every person, every upset person that they speak. It becomes almost uh, a counseling session when we all share the same problem and the same thing. Because we need to be good communicator, extremely technical, extremely good to interact with developer and product manager and higher level manager. It's four different skills, and as and I keep on saying, you mm-hmm. can't just. I mean, we can we can't be unicorn about. At all four, we can be good at one or two, but not Unicorn. That's why I keep on saying those two areas need to be completely separate. And yeah. the product owner and the best success we I had is where the product owner was championing this and saying, okay, we prioritize this. We decide we're going to fix this and this and this because our upside program, our upside person has handily suggested these are the areas that we're going to fix. But we're coming close to... Unfortunately, our time. Um, Two things. Tell us our future about you, your company and what you have in store for us and then the positive message.
2: Okay. So um, my company was called She Hacks Purple, named after me because it was just me creating courses and just me giving coaching. And now I've brought on all sorts of people and we're going to have new professors. And so we are now called... We pack purple and, Yay. <laughs> and the first thing we're doing is so I want to make so I want to serve every every of everyone, so we're adding closed captioning to all of our videos and um all of our courses, so people who um maybe are hard of hearing or deaf or people who for whom English is their second language and then reading it is much easier but we're also adding new professors so we are going to have a professor that speaks Swahili we're going to have a professor that speaks French and a professor that speaks Latin American Spanish for starters and so we're going to like release our courses in a whole bunch of languages taught by other people I'm really excited about that and we are creating a bursary program Um, so I've had had so many people say, Oh, I'm really excited about what you're doing. I bought, I, I took your course. I really loved it, but I want to share it with someone from, you know, like an underrepresented group. And so I thought about it. I'm like, that's amazing. So for every person that donates a course, We are gonna match 100% of them. And then we, so I like, I don't wanna just give them all to my friends. So I'm gonna work with um, nonprofits and community groups. And I've started like slowly reaching out to different ones so far so that they can pick the recipients so that it's not biased because I'm super biased. (laughs) <laughs> like like I, I know I am and I'm really bad for it. So like, I'll be like, I'm just going to give it all to like only women because I don't see enough women <laughs> in abstract and I want there to be more. Right. So instead what I'm going to do is like try to work with groups, for instance, um, with people who are neuro atypical or people who are disabled or people who are, you know, like people of color, um, like women, People from specifically like different types of backgrounds, et cetera. Different
1: minorities, different minorities and different uh, challenge people, background and, and things
2: like that. People who are not represented enough in tech. Those people, all of those people or people who need a bit of extra help because of whatever thing. So, for instance, if someone is deaf, I want to still serve that person. Mm-hmm. Right. And so maybe if we can work with a place that has like. People that are deaf or hard of hearing that work in tech, um, then if we could offer a bunch of courses through a bursary for them, and then you know they could give us feedback about like you know this translation's wrong or, or whatever, like and so we could help and make it better so that for every single person. Um, so we're constantly trying to give. So basically, if you spot an error in our class, if like we have like a little bug bounty, and then I give you like a free thing because I'm just like I want to make it so everyone. Can participate. I want to level the playing field. Does I that make that. sense? Yeah. As much as possible. Yeah. And so, so that is exploding and I'm really excited. And then also I'm working on my book, Alice and Bob learn application security. And that's supposed to be coming out in October. I'm currently picking a cover and it's literally the most exciting thing. <laughs> I never, ever thought a million years that I could author a textbook and then like share my nerdiness <laughs> <ever>. <laughs> like I'm so excited and it has like and again it's like me trying to make it accessible so I'm dyslexic um, and so when I learn something I need to do it I need to hear it I need to read it and like I do all these different things to make sure I fully cemented the lessons for myself so that when I try to share information I do the same thing so the book has Alice and Bob these two characters and like Things happen to Alice. Things happen to Bob. They have health conditions and lives. And security headers can affect that, right? Like all the different <laughs> things. Yeah, so I'll explain it in casual language what the thing is I'm trying to explain. And then I'll give, you know, like a business example. But then, oh, something happens to Alice.
1: It's really something.
2: Yeah, exactly, and then and then I do like the code or or whatever at the end, right? And so I I want to reinforce it in as many ways as possible, so that as many people as possible can understand. Because I found going through school, I found it found it really difficult. The way that things were explained didn't always work for me, and so I want to reach as many human beings as possible, so we can bring on. All the AppSec people, this is my evil plan. I don't want to be You only... <laughs> don't want to be lonely. Come to I don't part. want to be lonely. <laughs> I want to have colleagues. And oh! um, I don't want we to want... be able to go on the internet and not have my data spilled constantly.
1: <laughs> we want to be in a team with 25 AppSec people that fight all day long. Which application security element do we fix today? <laughs> yes. So That's
2: my so positive crazy. message is that we are finally making di- like diversity and inclusion, including accessibility, like more of a priority. And so my message is make it a priority and make it intentional or it won't happen. That is I like my that. message. I like I'm, curr- I'm currently working like with this, the school boards to help add cyber cyber <laughs> to all of uh like it, to it's like,
1: cyber it's cyber all over the place so you can put yeah. cyber here <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not even for cyber here.
2: <laughs> so, so like i'm i'm adding it to the curriculum so that high school students can understand privacy and can understand like when they learn computer science in high school they'll understand input validation and things like that. And I've talked to them repeatedly I'm like we can't just have a white male teach everything. We can't just have that face on everything. And we I, have to I have know. every single person, and we need to start it now.
1: And representation is so important. <laughs> I was discussing this, especially to give that positive example that is not the guy that talks about AppSec or that talks about technology to a school student. Otherwise, girls would think, oh, I'm not, that's not a field for me. It's a guy. So it it needs to be bad.
2: a mix of everyone, and we need to make it intentional from the very beginning or it won't happen. It is so easy to just accidentally fall into having all the same faces and the same or the same um, like type of person or group. And we need to do this now that we're actually listening and paying attention so that the next generation of computer scientists will be this beautiful rainbow of everyone. That's
1: what I want. That's my yeah, passion. Unicorns, everybody, unicorns.
2: <laughs> Every thank color. You. Thank, <laughs> you, thank so you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fantastic. It's so It's, fun so, it's
1: all the time lovely to have you. And thank you, everybody, for listening to our rambling about AppSec and stuff and unicorn and diversity. It's a topic that we love, and we're never going to get enough. So I'd like to thank everybody, and I'll see you in the next segment. Stay safe.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, consider leaving us a review or sponsoring us on Patreon. It helps us bring on amazing guests and keep the podcast alive and free. Consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP and watch other episodes at www.cybercloudpodcast.com.